Welcome to another episode of Behind the Scoreline. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the round of 16 UEFA Champions League clash between PSG and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich won 1-0 courtesy of a Kingsley Coman goal. But it was a very interesting game, especially as the first leg of a two-legged match. Because we have a lot to discuss and a lot to look forward to in terms of the personnel that PSG put out there and the one that Bayern put out there. I don't particularly think Bayern will change much in terms of personnel, but tactics-wise they might. PSG were without Kylian Mbappe due to injury, but he got on in the 60th minutes of the game and that's when you started seeing the transition or the change in the complexion of the match. But let's start from the beginning. In the first half, PSG could not break down Bayern or even attempt to break down Bayern because they didn't have the ball. Bayern Munich had a large chunk of possession and were using it to great effect. But more than them having possession and using it, they structured themselves in po- and put themselves in positions, position tactically to have the ball at all times. And always be dangerous even when they don't have the ball. Let me explain. Even though Bayern was set up in a 3-4-2-1, they were playing 3-1-3-3 in possession and that allowed them to counter-press out of possession. They were set up with Pavard, Upamecano and Delecht as a back three. And then they had a lone pivot of Kimmich, which worked for and against them. I'll explain. The lone pivot of, pivot of, of Kimmich occurred because Leon Goreska moved up the field to pan up with Musiala and Sane in creating attacking opportunities and channels for Kimmich to pass to. This worked for them because it kept the midfield of PSG on the back foot and this preoccupied the defense and midfield so much because you now you have an extra attacking option in in Goretzka who is a very good driver of the ball and you know a carrier of the ball into dangerous uh, spaces but beyond Goretzka Musiala and Sane acting as three number 10s or three number 8s if you can call it that you had Yao Cancelo who was a wing back but he played as a right winger and then you have Kingsley Coman on the left he was essentially playing as a left wing back but in position he was a right um, a left winger it was very weird seeing Cancelo ahead of Sane because Sane obviously had to tuck in and play as an 8/10 but then now the, this allowed a lot of space on the wing for Yao Cancelo and obviously on the left for Kingsley Coman to cause problems and create overloads as well when partnering up with the one of the three number 8s that I mentioned the space that Cancelo and Coman had allowed Bayern to have a lot of attacks coming from the wings and a lot of link up plays between the wingers and the midfielders PSG struggled a lot with maintaining their width especially in defense so what they did is they shrunk the pitch and most of them 
went to the middle as in phd allowed bayern to have both wings and phd said we'll just sit here in front of our goal and defend from there we'll just be compact and make sure that we dominate in the in the middle of the park but that didn't happen because there were numerical disadvantages with uh, the midfield since PSG were playing a 4-4-2 this means there's a double pivot in the middle of the of the, of the field for PSG but remember Bayern are playing in a 3-1-3-3 so which means they have three middle fielders plus Josua Kimmich as a pivot as well so it Bayern essentially suffocated PSG because in whichever component of the game PSG decided they were going to play in Bayern were dominant and even in those in other components of the game where PSG decided to relinquish control Bayern were still dominant there so what I'm trying to say essentially for the first minute is Bayern were dominant everywhere you know so this show this um these tactics they saw Bayern having a last chunk of uh possession and more threatening uh attacks this was shown where in the graphic where PSG had one or two shots yes the whole first half at the xg was at 0.1 while Bayern had 10 shots of which two were on target obviously the conversion rate was not uh, was not desirable from the Bayern perspective but the xg was at 0.46 so it showed that okay they were the more menacing team and the team that looked to create more chances you know but yeah in the first half the setup for psg was just defend defend and just hope that Bayern don't have a moment of brilliance you know and their defense of PSG was tested because let's be honest PSG isn't really a team that keeps clean sheets they haven't kept clean sheets in their last eight games uh, that's a stat one of the commentators said and it didn't surprise me at all because even in the league they don't take care of of um, their clean sheets they're not really a team that that wins with clean sheets most of the time and I have sort of an instance where I was complaining to a friend of mine and I said If PSG cannot keep clean sheets against the likes of Maccabi Haifa, Benfica, Juventus, they're in for trouble. Because if you can't keep a clean sheet against the easy opponent, then the hard opponents are definitely going to score. And then it will be a matter of if you can score or not. You know, and we can't go anywhere in this conversation without discussing the omission of Kylian Mbappé to injury. And we saw how... Bayern was sort of free to attack because of the lack of counter-attacking prowess from PSG in terms of speed and players uh, long balls played in behind the the defense you know so that allowed Bayern to relax a bit more and those three number 10s I was talking about or um, eight if you call it that um Muziala Sane and Koreska they were so pivotal in counter pressing because as i said psg wanted to win the the aerial jewels and the ground jewels in the middle of the park and then initiate the counter attacks from there but they didn't have the pace required because neymar isn't really the most uh pacey guy out there and messi definitely isn't pacey at this point in his career but he has those short bursts of acceleration but they can only carry you so far 
So what we saw is this. PSG win the ball in the middle of the park. And then you have Koreska, Muziala and Sane working extremely hard to win back the ball. And when they win back the ball, they're even more dangerous now because most of the PSG players are, are preparing for a counter-attack. And then they, they lose the ball. A lot of players are caught out of position. And then Bayern can, you know, stage and a counter-counter-attack and then, you know, get into advanced position and score. But the same didn't happen when PSG had the ball and they looked to counter Bayern in Bayern territory. Because Leo Messi and Neymar playing up front, there's not much defensive work rate up there. So Bayern, Upamecano literally didn't have to worry about much. Pava and, and De Ligt as well because they, Messi and Neymar are not really the most hardworking guys out there in a defensive aspect. And we've known PSG uh, operate like this. But then again, Galti was super defensive. You have... I think he could have had midfielders that were more offensively minded, especially the omission of um, Danilo Pereira for Fabian Ruiz. We saw the impact that that had on the midfield. And most importantly, ball progression. Ball progression. As far as PSG is concerned, and I said this in the preview episode that I made, PSG do not get the ball up the pitch as fast as they should. They get the ball up the pitch slowly, pretty much like Chelsea. And that allows the opposition to recoup. Especially if you're going to play, if you're going to play a counter-attack football, you need to get the ball fast up the pitch. A clear example of how to do that is Manchester United. They play counter-attack football, not all the time, of course, but in critical games, they play counter-attack. You have to get the ball up the pitch as soon as possible and as, as effectively as possible. You know, PSG don't do that. And you have Neymar who stifles counter-attacks. His, his style of dribbling prevents counter-attacks from being effective. Leo Messi as well, but less, to, a, to a less degree. I think for Leo Messi is he burns out in those bursts of acceleration and then looks for a foul, you know, or looks for a killer pass. And sometimes that doesn't work. And yeah, it's a, it's a problem for them. <clears throat> the introduction of Kylian Mbappe was essential, even though he didn't seem like he was 100%. Him and Nuno Mendes were a problem. They were a problem because... You have two guys that are speedy and super, super fast. And Nuno Mendes is quick. He is rapid. I didn't think Nuno Mendes had a good game. I was actually disappointed in him from a defensive perspective because he was getting caught out of position a lot. He was lunging into tackles and missing. And once he misses, Musiala was eating him alive. Uh, defensively, Nuno Mendes, uh, I think he, he was the poorest PSG defender on the pitch. Uh, outside of Messi and Neymar, of course, uh, he was a he was a poor defender, but his output going forward was ridiculously tremendous. He was ridiculously tremendous, and I think that's an avenue that Galtier will be looking to explore, especially with Mbappe back on. I think they can try to create overloads on Cancelo's side and pin Cancelo back. I think Cancelo will be pinned back, no matter what happens in the second leg. Cancelo will not be going forward if he'll be playing. Um, it was also a masterstroke for Nagelsmann to play both Cancelo and Pavar. I mean, two right backs. Um, that's just... I think Cancelo obviously was, was, was put on for his offensive attributes. 
and Pavar was put for the pace that he has and the physicality that he could impose on Neymar, and we saw that on full display because he stifled Neymar so much in that game. But yeah, it was also a technical battle. I don't, I wouldn't really say Galtier lost that battle outright because I mean, him putting Mbappe in positioning, Fabian Ruiz to be in position to, in positions to progress the ball and link up with Messi. That was a, a really good tactical decision. But he messed up from the beginning, Galtier. Um, he messed up because of how defensively minded the, the lineup was. I think... I don't understand the omission of Hakimi. Um, I don't... Especially if you want to win. That's the thing. It's like, I can understand him saying, okay, we are, being, we are under attack... How can we um, strategize while looking to win? But taking out Hakimi for personal Kipembe doesn't signal winning. Doesn't signal you trying to even get a draw. It just signals, I just want to defend with everything that I have. You know, so I was quite disappointed in that from Galtier's side. Um, and then again, Emery Zaire. I don't think he should have started. I think it would have been better to play either Hugo Ekitike. Um I think I think overall it would have been much better if Galtier went out there with a 343. Um a 3-4-3 obviously of Kipembe, Ramos and Marquinhos as the back three and then you have Nuno Mendes and Hakimi as the right backs and in midfield you have Verratti and probably um I would have Verratti and Vitinha. That, that would be more solid. And then up front, you have Messi and Neymar and then Ekatika up front. That would have been solid. Solid. Um, it would have been a very solid lineup. I'm, I'm not saying it, it would have won, but it would have given them a much, much better chance of them winning because you still have five defenders on the pitch with uh, the inclusion of uh, Kipembe, but having Nuno Mendes and... Hakimi on the wings allows you to stage those counter-attacks from the wings. And obviously, Fabian Ruiz is a much, much better passer than Danilo Pereira. Or if you wanted, you could have just benched Verratti and just went for full physicality in uh, Pereira and and Fabian Ruiz. I, I don't think Pereira should have featured in that match. I don't think he did much. He did much to... To cause problems for the PSG attack. I mean, I know he's a he's a defensive midfielder, but I don't think he did much. And I think maybe having Verratti and Fabian Ruiz would actually cause the PSG the, the Bayern midfield to actually track back a bit and not just you know shoot for attacks, attack, attack. I think they would be like, okay, this Verratti was a very good uh, dribbler and progressor of the ball. There's Fabian Ruiz as well, an offensively-minded midfielder. Let's also be cautious and conservative as well. You know, So that would have been much better from Galtier. Much, much better. But yeah, um, we look forward to seeing how a healthy Kylian Mbappe affects the game. I mean, we saw how he affects the game from a pace perspective. I mean, he has intangibles. That's just that's just it. Like him coming into the game, you could see how it, it obviously he's the best player in the world right now, in my opinion. Um it pains me a bit since I consider Messi the goat, but I mean that's just how it is. Um 
Mbappe his presence man his presence the ability like he has that thing the ability for teammates to know i can kick the ball from a dangerous zone to the other side of the pitch and it can instantly create a chance just by virtue of having such a speedy winger it, it's 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 a it's a gift it's a gift it makes PSG I think you could see why they're a super team because already you're preoccupied with Messi and Neymar is Neymar even though I'm not happy with Neymar's standard of football but they 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 have elements of a super team with Mbappe fit and healthy you know um similarly if you take off Messi then you realize the deficiencies that PSG have in terms of that career of the ball who's going to create those passing lanes passing options and just break down defenses like if every one of the front three is special in their own way and they need to have a full team for them to compete you can't have one of the big three missing at this point probably Neymar maybe it's disrespect on my part but he seems like the only one that you can have because he, let's be honest he offers what Messi is offering which is that dribbling and combinations in the in those tight spaces you know so yeah um i'm realizing that it might sound like i'm a psg fan or supporter i'm not i think why most of my analysis are on psg is for us to have a balanced game and have the best of both teams i think that's what i'm looking forward to for the second leg make no mistakes there are, there are avenues for Bayern to improve especially in breaking down PSG converting chances and they might have to come up with an entirely different strategy on how to beat PSG you know so that's why I'm mainly focusing on PSG because I mean we need parity in order for us to have classic games you know so it was a very beautiful game even though it was 1-0 I don't think goals were that important but tactics were beautiful to see and just the chess match was beautiful to see But anyways, that's it. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or following the podcast on whichever platform you're listening from. And please tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to Behind the Scoreline. Or better yet, just send them the link to this episode. Thank you.